This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A lot of people experiencing there's ways to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, even like sitting down having some minutes to yourself. I'm a great thinker. But when somebody introduced me to meditation, it changed my life. Wow. You know meditate every day? Every day. How long? Sometimes 30, sometimes an hour. Really? Every day. And it's changed. How's that changed your life? Clarity. I'm leading people. I run a company. Like I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta have clarity. I'm making decisions that are gonna affect people's lives, their children's lives, their livelihood. Right? And then at the same time, I'm leading men. I'm I'm out here and I'm pushing the cause and it's just like the one thing I can say about karma you know I say karma is real when I wasn't in my right mind I was leading people off a cliff I had to pay for that mm. I had to pay for that oh it was it was a time in my life I was losing when I say losing I meant losing when I say losing like you wouldn't believe I prayed every day like just please punish me for how long you want to punish me but when you let me back out of this I'm going I'm going to be the way I'm supposed to be Good to a ratio. Okay, though. Good to a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> You's a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Jeezy, one of the great rappers of his time. He's got a book, Adversity for Sale. We get into meditation, how he changed his life therapy, how he repaired his relationship with his son, the street life, the rap career, all this stuff. It's an amazing conversation. Let's get into it. It's Jeezy on Torre Show. So, congrats on the book. Yes. Adversity for Sale. Yes, yes. The book is primarily about how you made it, how you made money, how you came up out of the street how you made money in the street, how you made money in the industry. Well, I would say not just made it how I failed, right, and how I learned. Okay. Because the success part, I'm still trying to get there. If oh, I'm come on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because but my I level. But I appreciate that you're like, let me talk about my failures. Right. Because that's what we, in, in a lot of people, right. especially MCs, you're like, yo, everything is great. And it's not. You know? And I appreciate you want to talk about the mistakes, yeah. the mishaps, the failures. Well, well, let's, let's just say, you know, even my mentors from, from you know, John Maxwell to T.D. Jakes to any of these guys, Steve Harvey's to any, Robert Greene, any of these guys I sit down with, you know, my, my first seven questions is, like, how did you feel? Like, tell me about your failures. What happened when this happened? Because I, I, that's what I want to know. I mean, you already, you're, you're successful. We know that, right? Yeah. But how did you feel? Yeah. And it's like if you're trying to open up a restaurant, open up a business, if you see somebody that has a successful business, you might want to get that model, but you also want to know what they failed at. Yes. So when you're going into it, you have you have an understanding of what you're walking into and then what might needs to happen if things start to go left. Go left. So right. tell us about some of your failures. Oh, man, so many. Uh, well, I started off young. Um in the streets, right? I mean, the first the first thing in the book, you're like, I was a thief. I was yeah, a kid. I, 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 was did. A I, I got best dress on base for like two years straight. I was <laughs> tearing their ass up, boy. When like polos was out, polos in the uh khaki with the with the uh with the boots, the duck heads uh -huh. with the with the water boots, and then like uh when cross colors came out uh -huh. with the with the with the Jodeci boots. Yeah. You know, I had, had to do what it. I had to do. Had <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so tell, me about a, tell me about a big failure that you learned from. Failure that I learned from, I would say, 
I mean, there's so many. Like in my in my adulthood, I would say that a lot of the stuff that I experienced at, when I was young, I, I swept it under the rug, right? And then when I got to my adulthood, I was doing things um, and acting out, and things were triggering me that I didn't understand why. So even as a father, you know, I didn't connect with my son the way I should have because mm. my emotions were not really there, you know what I'm saying, because of my childhood. And I would say that was one of my biggest failures, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, that's that's a real thing, you know what I'm saying. You're raising another man, you got to be able to, you know, show him a different type of love and type of understanding. Because your father wasn't there. Well, my father wasn't there because my parents got divorced and then I had to move back to the hood because I was living abroad. I was living in, you know, Japan, Hawaii. You know, I had a different life. You know, my palate was different. Like, I was eating sushi. Like, I knew about a lot of things. So now it was almost, it was like punishment to go back to to the hood, right? Because it was cool to go there to visit, but now I'm living there, right? And I'm with my mom, and she's upset with me because I look like my dad. So I'm going through that. My dad is still, you know, he's still active service, so he's doing his thing. He didn't do nothing to me wrong now. But he even understands that when he was active service, he wasn't there. It wasn't that he was in prison. It was that he was working, you know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of things that we didn't have, um, that we, 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 father and son, things that didn't happen. So that slipped my generation and it almost slipped with my sons because there's a lot of things me and my dad didn't talk about, right? Like, which is why I looked into Pac and all these other people because to me, they were like the leaders. Right. Like my uncles and, and people that I would respect were either selling drugs or worked at factories. So it's just like, them your two options. I'm going to go with option A, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, because it seems more lucrative. And, um, you know, a lot of my childhood was me trying to prove to myself that that I was enough, right? Mm. Because I'm in a position where I'm I'm not really, you know, sure, right, or which path I should be taking because now I'm put in this situation that I know that there's a different life out there. And I'm trying to explain to the people I'm going to school with and my cousins, like there's beaches and, and sand and palm trees and other type of people, you know what I'm saying, more than us, you know. And, and it's just like now you're just sitting here and this is your reality. So a lot of my childhood I was trying to figure out how to get back to what I knew because I felt like, you know, I was detached from something. I was taken away from something, right? And not that I didn't want to be where my grandmother was. It was just I felt like I was out of place there mm. because I, I I knew so much more than my surroundings. Like, I knew more, like, naturally. You know, I would sit down and have conversations with adults and give them advice. I'm a kid, you know? But I started to learn early I had leadership skills, and it was like when I first started listening to Tupac, I remember I was in boot camp, and I heard Dear Mama, and um, um, so many tears. I'm just like, yo, he's mm. talking to me. Mm. I was I was in, and that's where I just started to get my knowledge from, because it was like that was my podcast back then. Listen to the music. Now I'm learning. Now when I'm in certain situations, I know how to handle it, right? And going back to what I was saying before, um, my grandmother was the one when I was living with her was the one that made me go to church, you know. Um, um, read the Bible, um, have faith. So if my grandmother wasn't in the picture, I don't even know if I would have any faith. My parents never talked to me about faith, wow. right? And that's what kept me grounded, right? But then that's also what made me understand that as I started to come into adulthood and everything that I was already going through, I'm like, hold up. How am I the one that's like being unscathed? Like every time these situations come up, I'm losing friends. They dying left and right. People going to prison. This happening, that happening. It's, it's like a whole thing. How did I never get caught doing what I was doing? And I just was there, and I was just like, you know, I really have faith. Like I'm, I'm God fearing for sure. Wow. But then I'm now I'm sitting here going, well, shit. Maybe this is my purpose. So wait, when? How old was? You, have you rectified the relationship with your son? Yes. yes. So how old was he? When you said, "Okay, let me let me change this," because you said you felt a lot of guilt, right? And you knew you were not doing the right thing, right? Even as you continued to not do the right, so at some right. point you said, "Okay, enough of this." Well, I'm going to keep it a buck. It's still a work in progress. 
Sure. Because he he you know, he's he's a man now. So it's, How old? it's different. He's twenty six. So it's a different conversation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have to respect his perspective. You know, but all I can do is make sure that I'm I'm there and I'm and I'm and I'm available and I'm present, right? And it's it's dope not because we have real conversations, but you know, we both been through my son was there. My son was born when I was still hustling. He was born in the projects. You know what I'm saying? Like his his mom and all us, we lived in the projects in a project apartment together. Right. So he's seen all that. People, same people I used to hustle and and, and you know, sell stuff to on Fridays was his babysitters. Wow. You know, people that was keeping him that was on drugs when his mom went out to the club or whatever. Right. So he knows that life, right? And then I'm expecting to pull him out of that into this newfound success I have and for him to be a certain way. But I'm not I'm not being a good example because I'm out here living, you know, what I'm telling him yeah. not to do. And he's yeah. like, I don't understand that. So he's a natural-born leader himself watching me lead, yeah. right? But now he's a natural born leader in a generation where it ain't the same how I was when I was, you know, you know, shaking and moving. It's like, you know, he he's in a generation where, you know, we lost Tupac and Big. Yeah. They losing people right to left. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's yeah. not even it's normalized. It's a lot, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like he looking at like, well, you know, and it it is it's a reality check for me, you know what I'm saying? Which is why even in the book, I'm hoping I can reach people like my son, you know, reach people. Like, because I, I want them to understand, like, it's never too late to figure out who and what you are. Wait, like, how old was he when you were like, okay, let's try to change this? Um, I would say, well, his mom, it was difficult because his mom had a boyfriend that she was with, and for some reason, my son thought he had two fathers. So Ooh. that hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Because he used to be like, I got two dads. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know about that. So him and his mom, me and his mom used to be at odds. And I kept telling her, let me get him because you can't raise him. And, you know, he got it. <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but he did something, you know, with one of her boyfriends that had some over the house or whatever and he ran off with whatever whatever and the guy was like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do this to your son or whatever so I had to call some homies from where where I'm from like yo and I told him I said yo man like you know I don't got nothing to do with your business but that's my child right and we gonna we gonna go broke about this bro like we gonna lose it all so and I had to convince his mom after that like let me get him right and now I'm getting and not that I wouldn't spend time with him before but now I'm getting him as an adult and he's rebellious. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, sure. he's better now. Like, he's he's at a great place now, a good kid. But then he was, you know, he was torn between two types of parenting. But then you got a kid trying to raise a kid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm still a kid. I'm still running with 100 people. He come on my house. is all kind of contraband everywhere. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, I remember one day we had a party at my, at my crib because basically I had the whole neighborhood living with me. Like, my whole neighborhood was living in my house. And I remember we threw this big party. I don't know what it was for. And the police came. And they came because the neighbors called the police. And, you know, it was criminals at my house, you know. It was like, it was one of those type of things. And I was so scared, man, because I had just got him. You know what I'm saying? I had just got him. I just, you know, and I was just, like, shook. And that really slowed me down, too, because I'm like, yo, I don't want to take my son. You know what I'm saying? And that really slowed me down as well. But... All of it is a work in progress, man, because we as black men, you know, and I'm just speak on it, just like we we wasn't raised right. Our fathers weren't raised right. You know what I'm saying? They fathers weren't raised right. And we all just trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully this book and anything I've ever done or said, you know what I'm saying? Because people look at it like, yo, you talked about selling drugs. I'm just telling you my reality, man. Like I'm not trying to sell you something I'm not, right? Yeah. I'm just telling you my reality and how I made it out, right? And and hopefully that inspires, you know, somebody else who's walking that same path or not to do whatever it is they need to do so that they're able to get in a position where they can evolve as well because that's the thing. It's just like 
we're not told it's okay to evolve. We're told we're supposed to be a certain type of way. We're supposed to take everybody with us. We're supposed to keep it real until you can't keep it real no more, and then it's done. It's interesting you referred to yourself as a kid when you're a man. Right. Because if, as far as I know, a lot of people, if you're in the street right. as a teenager, right. we would think of you as a man-child. Right, right. Because you got to grow up and be responsible and tough and a man. So were you not a man at that point? I would say that I was a man, but I had a lot of childish ways because mm. I didn't, I didn't, I had responsibilities, but they wasn't, I wasn't on point. You, you feel what I'm saying? Like I was, I, I, I had in my mind that I was going to jail, so I wasn't as close to my family as I should be, right? I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, I was basically drinking from the time the sun came up to it went down. All I cared about was what I cared about, right? And I'm living this party rock star life. Like I'm selling millions of records. I hadn't sold one. You know what I'm saying? I'm spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars every day. Like I'm not thinking about putting money away for my kids. I'm not doing none of this. You know what I'm saying? I'm just living day to day. Like you could probably ask me what date it was. I couldn't even tell you what money it was. That's how I was living. Like, I didn't even, like you'd be like, it's Thursday the 3rd. I'd be like, shit, I, I wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I didn't understand because where I came from, you don't make it that long. I remember my 21st birthday, I was thrown off. I'm like, damn, I'm 21? Didn't think you'd make it to 21. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I'd already counted on that. Wait, so what was it? You talk about failure. What was the biggest mistake you made in the street life? I, You know what's crazy? I didn't really make a lot of mistakes in street life because I was so disciplined. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody around me, um, I, I learned from their mistakes. I knew that. I couldn't, you know, go the other way because I have friends that end up being on the drugs, right? That was scary because now I'm like, how does that happen, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to be mentally strong. So now I got to refrain from everything that I do. And when I say I was drinking, I mean, that's this is part of my rap career, right? But in my street career, I barely drink or smoke because I was just so focused and so careful and so uh, uh, just just – forward thinking, like I would go be with the older guys and tell the older guys, hey, look, you know, you know, they'd be like, yo, because they, they always knew I had to play. Like I knew who 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 was working, who wasn't. But the whole time it was me working. I just wasn't telling them. I just get their money, you know what I'm saying, go away for a day or two and I already have it. And then come back and be like, hey, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. And that's what I was doing. So I was portraying myself as a middleman, but I and this is a different part. Like it was all different stages. But this was a different part. And what it was was they really couldn't box me in because they didn't know what I was doing. You, you see what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. nobody really knew how my operation was working. So there wasn't nothing that they could do to box me in. So I didn't really run into a lot of situations. I, I had some things happen before, sure. But I never got into nothing where I felt like it was a mistake, like I did something wrong. I was actually really smart and really, you know, and, and you know, I don't you know how they say street nigga? Like, I was a discreet nigga. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I wasn't, like, flamboyant. You know, I had cars, but I would drive my cars, but, like, but every of, other week. But part of what I hear you say, like, part of being successful in that life <clears throat> is making sure that a lot of other people don't know what you're doing. You don't know right. who my connect is. You don't know where I'm selling. You don't know where no. I'm hiding it or what. No. No. So if you don't know, right. then you can't you just can't do nothing. take me over. Right. And 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 you gotta still, I mean, but that's just one part of it. But you still gotta be smart because you gotta make you gotta keep a tab on the people that you do know because you gotta make sure they ain't ran into no problems. And um, you know, you writing that down. You, this is like an interrogation. I'm getting nervous. no, no, no. <laughs> like, like what did I say? No, no, no. <laughs> make sure that was. Oh yeah, because you know that's like one of my biggest nightmares. It's just like you know we got you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um. Well, the thing was, I had to learn how to be a Fortune 500 company CEO yes. without being a Fortune 500 company CEO. Yes. That's yes. what I was basically doing. I was running a tight ship. Nothing that I'm proud about, right? But I was running something that was so solid and ironclad that it wasn't even about getting rich. It was about not going to jail or not getting killed. And that was my that was my biggest priorities. Now, everything inside of that, I was like, okay, 
I want to be a businessman one day. I want to have a plain Jane watch on, three-piece suit, plain Jane wedding band, look the part, good skin, manicured nails, the whole thing. How do I get there? Because I'm not going to be able to walk from the streets into a boardroom. So music became the vessel for that because I started to see that this is something that I can possibly do because I started off as a CEO and I, I, I signed people and I did all those things. And then that fell through. And my man was like, yo, you might as well do it because you're the one out here living the life. So then I started to, because I love it so much. I love music. Like, I love it. So I just started to invest in myself and really invest in my craft. And then it was like maybe 10 years later, it just popped for me because it was the time and it was everything that's going on in the city. And now I'm in this position where I'm building momentum, right? I pressed up hundreds and hundreds of thousands of CDs and passed them out free to do the groundwork, right? And now I'm getting on and things are starting to happen and boom, what happens? I lose my voice. I tear my vocal cords. I got polyps, my first shows, right? And I'm signed to a major label that doesn't know that my voice is gone. I also don't have insurance, so I have to pay for my surgery with cash. And on top of that, we don't know <laughs> we don't know if I'm gonna sound the same right. after the fact. Sure. Right? Sure. That happens. I get the surgery and I'm going to a vocal coach. She got me doing all type of file out live stuff. All singing really? You had a vocal coach helping yeah. you with her name is Jan. Really? Yeah, Mama Jan, she's dope. She's in Atlanta. How she's did like she just, change you as a rapper? No, no. She had to help me get my voice back. Learn how to talk. Talk. Yeah. And so she would have me like singing these little like lines and la 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 la. I'm still remember like I would have to do that for like and hours. that helped, but that helped you as an MC. No, no, that helped me to get my voice back as a man because mm. I it was gone. I had to that my my vocal cords had to be uh, sewn back together. Wow, right, like surgery. So she was trying to help me get my voice back, right? Which I still think my voice is a little more. Uh, cleaner than it was because I was my voice was very raspy. You, you liked it, but better before. Well, not when I was in school because everybody thought it was funny. But <laughs> when I started to make my rap career, that's that's what that was the the gift, right? Because I, was, I didn't sound like anybody else. So when she when we did the surgery and started to fix it, my voice was slightly different. Right, like I can tell when I was recording and and I was doing things. Now, mind you, that's happening while I'm finishing. Uh, Thug Motivation 101, my first debut album, right? So now I'm having to mix Thug Motivation with sign language because I can't talk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm telling the engineer up, down, down, whatever. So I'm doing that. Get that done. Start to semi get my voice back. Get hit with uh, 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 Bell, Bell's Palsy, I think it's called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So half of my face half is mm-hmm. slanted. My lips are. Wow. So that's happening, right? Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then as I'm Recovering from that, well, the studio that I was recording at, shout out to Passworks, one of the engineers was trying to get on my album, and I didn't let him on my album, so he leaked the whole album. So all this is going on at the same time. Mind you, everybody that I love and everybody I'm cool with is getting indicted. So I'm just here like, shit, I'm going to jail. I ain't got no career. This is crazy. All this is happening at the same time. Yeah. I talk about it in the book. All this is like happening simultaneously. And that's when I say adversity for sale, that's what I mean. Like, I, it was so much. Well, what are you doing as all this different sorts right. of adversity, right. bombs are going off all around? It's not at all clear right. if I'm going to be able to make it out of all this. What are you thinking and doing that allowed you to to deal with the adversity and then move forward through it? Well, I just knew I couldn't give up. And I knew I had, with Thug Motivation, I knew I had, like, a great body of work because I put my blood, sweat, and tears into it because I was under the impression that I wasn't going to make it. So I at least wanted that to be heard, right? You didn't think you were going to make it as a rapper? No, I didn't think I was going to make it in life. Like, I, I I just was expecting the penitentiary or whatever else was happening around me, right? I was prepared for it. And once the the record got leaked, the album got leaked three months before it was supposed to come out, right? And... <laughs> it was so crazy because I had a crew and we used to ride around. Well, anyway, so the kid leaked the leaked the album. I ended up having to do something to him. He does a lawsuit <laughs> and that goes on. So now I'm being sued. I didn't even know that can happen. <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? Like, so now I'm like, and it's crazy because Phaedra Parks was his lawyer, which is 
mind blowing for me. That, that was his lawyer when he sued me. Okay. Right? And which is crazy. So every time I see it now, I'm just like, uh, but anyway, um, all this is happening, right? And then the album finally comes out. But we had a crew before the album came out because it got leaked like three to four months before it came out. We was riding around to all the bootleggers. Like we literally had AK 47s, ski masks, <laughs> and we're trying to go and take all the records back from the bootleggers. But this is how God works. I'm laying home one day and I'm, I'm looking at TV and I see this whole uh, bootleg piracy bust about DJ drama. No, no, this is this is before that. Okay, and all I see is Thug Motivation 101 uh, CDs, right? And this is after we went through all the bootleggers we could go through, right? And something spectacular happened. It was like I wasn't gonna put Soul Survivor on the album, not because I didn't like it. Because I just thought it was too commercial at the time, and I wanted to save it for the next album. But it happened to be on the bootleg copy. And Def Jam called me, he was like, yo, this is going to be your single. And I'm just like, I don't care what y'all do at this time, as long as y'all not going to drop me. So Soul Survivor picks up. We shoot the video in, in Brooklyn. It goes through the roof, right? And it, it was like this, this instant just spark. But I didn't realize that all the bootleggers had blown the music up. So I didn't have to pick any records. They already had picked the records for me. You were already in the street. Right. I was already in the street. I was already in Detroit. I was already in New York. I was already. So now it was just a matter of selling CDs. And the first week I think I came out, I did like 189. The next week I did like 190. It just kept going and going and going. And I just remember like, you know, that was one of the moments I was just sitting there. I was like, man, like. It's just crazy how God worked, man, because that wasn't me. Mm. None of that was me. That wasn't my marketing plan. I, that wasn't me thinking it through. That just happened. And it was like, it was no turning back from that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's when I first felt like, but I had failed my way all the way up until then. Right? So he took the wheel. Now, mind you, I didn't feel success then because now... On one foot in, one foot out, I got success as far as album sales. But now life is getting real because everything around me is starting to really, like, happen, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm in the middle of this. So now what do I do? I go back to my vices. I go back to my hanging. I go back not even doing what I'm supposed to do with my son because now I'm caught up, right? And I'm trying to stay in this place of, um, you know, because Two days before that, you was, you know, you was Jay. Now you Jeezy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everybody is expecting that with everything you do, right? And it's like my old life just went away. It was gone. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, it was, at first, it, it was like, yeah, we did it. And then that's when the fame hit. And then everything went left from that. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Let me ask you something real, because you're being real with us now. You had money from the street. For sure. Things are starting to happen, and Mm -hmm. your marketing and branding was on point from the beginning. Right. Right. But we hear a lot about paying radio and mm-hmm. other like right so were you guys paying folks to play your records well like, at the point when you needed it there was a point when you didn't need that anymore but i've never paid anyone right but what i did do and i want to just make sure i'm clear about this was there were times like shout out to dj fernando um which was the magic city dj and was a good friend of mine he actually ended up getting killed um, in front of his yard, outside of his yard. And it's crazy because he was telling me to watch my back, and he ended up getting killed. Um, DJ Fernando was the Monday night DJ at Magic City. And Magic City was like the hub of Atlanta. It's where all the hustlers, all the basketball players, all the football players, anybody that somebody's coming through that club. And it's not, it's probably two times as big as this room. Dope. Magic City is way smaller right. than I thought it would be For sure. from hearing about it on Jermaine Records yeah. and other <laughs> Yeah, everybody in Atlanta talks about it. Yeah. You go, it's, it's it's really small. And the thing is, I used to go there with my older cousins before they went to prison. This was like back in the nineties. But this this is your what you're leading to. Magic City and other strip clubs have been a huge place to break records for Southern rappers. Well, Magic City, Magic City, DJ Fernando, and those girls single handedly broke all my music in that one club. Because I knew all the girls because I would go there and I used to tip them or whatever. And then I would go there because I used to be kind of like shy about letting people know that I was trying to rap because the music wasn't good at first. And I left DJ Fernando with this song that was called Over Here featuring Bun B. And he was like, it's cool. I can make it work. And I would come in the club sometimes. and He'd be like, yo, G's in the building. You know, I need 20,000. I'm like, all right, cool. I get 20,000 ones, bust it up, throw it up, whatever, whatever. Then I came back a couple months later, and I walked in, and they was dancing to it. He's like, geez, in the building, I need 50000 So I get 50000 bust it up. So that's how it started going. So the girls would show me love because I'm, I'm tipping them. So if you call that paying, whatever. And But it was, like a, it was like a show. It was like the best marketing you can ever do because all the who's is who's is in here. So they're going to go back and be like, yo, I was in the strip club. I seen GZ through it. And it got to a point where I would go in there and DJ Fernando would be like, I need 100,000 ones. And they bring it out in the barrel. I'm like, yo, my man, <laughs> you got chill. But I didn't understand. He was pushing me and pushing me and pushing me until I was just explosive with it. Like it became to the point where I would get on the stage with the girls, throw the money and take the show over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because that was the move. But Magic City was a critical place as far as Southern Right. Well, well, Magic City is a critical place as far as Southern Street because mm-hmm. what I learned about Magic going there as a young well before music was that's the office. That's where you go, right, if you're a street guy. And let's just say if I didn't know you and me and you was going to do some business, I'll take you in there. There's some girl in there going to know you. Or somebody going to know you and be like, yo, he, you know, I don't know about that, man. I already got jammed up in D.C. He might not. It's because it's that. You know what I mean? Everybody know who's the robbers, who's the jackers, who old people, who running off on people. So the people. girls become uh, a, a recommendation. I heard something about him. He's well, the cool, girls know, but just got to think, because if, if you're a street guy and you're dealing with one of these girls, they pretty much know some of your business or some of your friends. But not only that, the other guys that's in there, they're, they're players from other cities too. So they know things about people that I might not know from D.C. or I might not know from Alabama. Like they, it's, it's like a community of... 
You know, it's like you go to the gym, you know who, sure. who just went through a, a, a sure. bankruptcy. and You know what I mean? Like, sure. you know what's going on. You know who's doing well, you know that. So it's like, it was that. And I knew that coming out of the streets. But then when I got into music, um, that same thing worked for me. Uh, it worked in my favor because I understood how the club worked. So it was easy um, for me to go in there and, like, really bring my music to life. And it was... It was <clears throat> one time I went in there after Trap and Die came out, and Fernando called me. He's like, yo, you got to come up here. And I went up there, and I swear to you, Trap and Die was about hour, hour and five, ten minutes long. Man, they ran that CD back like three, four times the whole time I was there. You talk about four hours of people reciting every word every ad lib and that's when I knew I was like oh this is different this is different this is gonna work so part of what folks will come to this book for right how do I get rich because the man got rich in two different at least two to three areas I don't but that's the thing I, I was rich before that so I'm saying you were rich before no 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 what I'm saying is money is a tool right I was rich before that I had a Great heart. My grandmother gave me great, you know, faith. You know what I'm saying? My life gave me value and a moral compass, you know, because I'm going to be honest, like, money is a tool. You can't, you, you can't measure how rich you are with a piece of paper. Mm. You can't. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And my Talk about morals me, and character. Yeah, because that's where you're rich at. Because my uncle used to explain to me, like, if you got a Rolls Royce, you got issues, you got problems, you're going to just be a guy in the new Rolls Royce with the same problems. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, money is fun to get, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's fun to have. You know what I'm saying? But if I lost it all tomorrow, I, I'm still going to be who I am. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And nothing's going to waver that because what, what I have – inside of me is 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 wealth. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like I, I've had some luck in some areas and did and it was able to do some things um that most people would consider success. But what I lost to get there, you have to really ask yourself, like, was it worth it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wait, what do you mean? What did you lose? What do you mean? I meant all the lives that were lost, all the friends that were lost, all mm -hmm. the all the the things that happened that, that gave you real trauma, the reason why you didn't trust, the reason why you didn't love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom's gone. Like, half of the reason why I wasn't close to her is because I thought I was going to prison, so I was trying to distance myself. Just imagine all that time that was lost. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you, you know, you got to really ask yourself what's worth it. Right. Mm. And even now, as I'm going around doing this book tour, I mean, a lot of people might feel like you're out here promoting a book, but that's not the case. I'm out here promoting a chance. You know what I'm saying? I'm out here promoting an opportunity. Right. I'm out here promoting. I'm saying, look, man, I mean, you can take the book away. It doesn't matter. We had the same conversation. I'm saying, look, it, it, you know, you, you got you got to live your life. You know what I'm saying? You got to believe in in who and what you want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like they say, when you're born, you look like your daddy. When you die, you look like your decisions. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So it's almost like, you know, who you want to be. I respect the conversation about your character right. and the spiritual wealth that you're talking about. Right. I respect that. Right. There's also a lot of people listening and be like, yeah, but can you tell me how to get rich? Because right. <laughs> <laughs> you know about that as well, how to stack and create that tool. Right. So can you talk about that? I would say you have to do something you love, mm. right? Because even if you do something you don't love, you're just making money, and it's, it's going to burn out. And once you do something you love, you got to find things that align with your purpose and invest in those things, you know what I'm saying? Because you're going to want to do those when you're done doing what you love, and that's going to have to set you up. And... You know, if I ask you right now, who, who's your who's your who's your biggest um, who your biggest employee? I'm asking you. 
My biggest employee. Yeah, who's your best employee? Your biggest employee. Who's, who's my best employee? Yeah, or biggest employee. I, I don't know. I don't I mean my business. I don't really have employees. Okay, but what would you say if I ask you? I I, I don't I don't know. Would you say you? Okay. Okay. You? Okay. Okay. I will if if I can be included, then for sure. Absolutely, me. I can be included. Okay, but that's where you're wrong. Okay, your biggest employee is your money. You are you're right, right? Your, your money biggest, has to work for you. But he's your biggest employee. Yes. So if your money's not working for you, you got fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Just right. When you get your paycheck, you pay yourself first. It's not even that. I'm saying that if you have any money, no matter what it is. That's your biggest employee. If it's not working for you, you have to fire it. The capital must be invested. It has to be invested. And I know it sounds, you know, easier said than done, but, you know, that's about the part where I say in the book about the sacrifices. Like you got to be willing to make those sacrifices. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, even if you take these social influences out here, you know, they basically capitalizing off of algorithms, right? Sure. But you're going to be burnt out before the algorithms are. So if you're not taking that and investing it, you know, you're setting yourself up to crash, and it's just like rap. Uh, You're talking about make your businesses better, real estate, stock market. I'm saying whatever's in line with your purpose. Mm. You know, my purpose is I grew up in a two-bedroom trailer that's not bigger than this room. Mm. So that aligns with my purpose to own some dirt. Because mm. none of my family ever owned no dirt, right? That aligns with my purpose. Now, can you make money there? Absolutely. But the fact that we own some dirt <laughs> and you can't take that away, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. The money to be made is all good, right? And if I can go back to my community and buy 50, 60 houses, whatever, and refurbish them and put them back on the marketplace for people out of peace of state, now I'm helping my community. That's, that's in line with my purpose, mm-hmm. right? If I go out here and I do, you know, a, a, a corporate deal that, allows my team to to become involved and in, in, in then for them to meet their goals by what we're building, that aligns with my my purpose, right? It's when you start doing things for the money that don't align with your purpose is where it gets tricky. Can you talk about your real estate strategy? My real estate strategy is, you know, basically buying cash flow and assets. Multifamily? Multifamily. Um, some commercial. Um, Which do you prefer, commercial or residential? I do I do a little bit of both. I mean, ever since the pandemic, the commercial has been kind of tricky because a lot of people don't need those type of spaces because right. they can work from home. That's right. So that's a little tricky. Multifamily, of course, but the biggest players in the, in, the, in the developing, you know what I'm saying? That's when it gets right because you can raise money and, put plays together that, you know, that are bigger than, you know, you could do on your own. Um, but I will say this, though. I mean, even if it's, it's what aligns with your with your purpose, right? Because, like, stocks is not my purpose. Like, when people came with Bitcoin, they don't align with my purpose. Like, I can't, I can't understand this money on a computer mm-hmm. that can fluctuate. First of all, I got enough undue stress as it is. I don't want to look at my phone and flip the fuck out because it's just lost <laughs> 300000 Like, You know what I'm saying? Like, you feel me? Like, I don't, that don't allow my purpose because I want to live a stress-free life. You know what I'm saying? That's the purpose. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you need money to survive, you know, whatever, bro. Like, we all want to have it, you know what I'm saying? But you want to be happy by having it because most of the people that I know that was give money are not happy people. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And they don't really have people around them they can trust. So it's like I try not to lean on on that. I try to lean on the purpose. Like, you know, and if you find something in your purpose that you can, like, you look at Oprah, that's her purpose. She's a great communicator. Yeah. She just happened to make a lot of money doing what she's doing. Yeah. But at T.D. Jakes, same thing. You look at a Magic Johnson. He's a better businessman than he is basketball player, if you ask me. That's saying a lot, too. You know what I'm saying? For, yeah. if you look at Shaq, the yeah. same thing. So it's just like they're aligning themselves with their purpose. And if you watch Shaq, the way he moves, he's always giving back. He's always doing something. He's always doing something that shows his character and who he is as a person. A lot of a lot of rappers have said the rap game is just like the crack game. That's like a... No, no, no let me correct you on that. No. The rap game is the crack game. What do you mean? 
because it's the streets. There's no more streets. There's nobody standing on the corner selling nothing no more. Like people are jumping into this because it's a hustle. You can tell the difference between hustle and art. You look at somebody like a J. Cole, you know that's art. Right. You look at somebody who just coming off the street like little such and such, he trying to figure it out. It's a hustle. You when you saying? when you were on the street, you were the man, right? There were other men. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> you know of saying? course, of course. Yeah, yeah. But you, you you said you were in the middle, right? No, no. What I was saying was that I was positioning myself so at a certain point so that I can no longer have to do the small stuff. Right. And getting in the middle so that I can get these guys together and capitalize off what they got going. When you're a rapper, mm. you're, <laughs> what is that? What is that's not the top guy. Like right. if you like if you're the distributor, you're the top guy. Right. If you're a rapper, it's not the same as being a distributor. Well, right? it you're is lower, because, on the, uh, lower on the lower on the not necessarily, no? not necessarily because you got some of these guys that go out here and they just good at getting talent. And then they become their talent becomes bigger than them. And they become this entity that that's now has you know, you take a DJ drama, he's a DJ. Yeah. Prime has one of the biggest labels in the game. Yeah. Right now. But well, three he, years ago. He's a label head now. But what I'm saying, but three years ago he was a DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's the difference. <laughs> that's how you become that guy in that. Like you go from being a DJ to being a label head because you're using your expertise of knowing records to pick these artists. And now you're building this thing that's bigger than DJing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like same thing in the streets. It's like if you're a hustler and you're doing this and you make these contacts, you set yourself up so now that you're serving the hustlers instead of the people who are using this for recreational use. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what, what did you take from the street that you were able to take forward in other businesses that help you? Everything. Because the way I'm able to articulate myself, the way I'm able to remain calm, Mm. In situations where people will flip out in, the way that when there's chaos is the calmest time for me, because it, it's almost like being at war. Like you, 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 like the Navy SEALs are Navy SEALs for a reason. Yeah, they they don't fold under pressure. Yeah, right. I don't fold under pressure. Like I'm actually more clear. I have more clarity because I understand. Okay, this is the problem. How do I either diffuse this or work my way around it? And you don't get emotional about these no. situations. And that's the thing. See, that's what that's what came from. And that's what I'm working on because you come from the streets, you you, you rarely have emotion or you're not you you're not you you you're not in a place where you can actually openly feel them. Mm. They're there, but you got to be shut down. You got to be shut down. So what I'm saying is when you go over, and it's a thing, like, and I talk about in the book, a lot of that served me then. It doesn't serve me now. To be cold. Right. Because it served me then. That's what kept me, you know. You're very, what does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. 
and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Emotionally uh, consistent and right. calm as far as a rapper. Right. I think about T.I. and Jay-Z who right. have a similar life path, right. right? And I think they have a little bit more, you know, they're going to get hype, they're going to get a right. set, whatever. And I'm like, Jeezy emotionally right. is always right in that same right. calm, right. chill register. Because that's that's where I'm strongest at. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And, and, and coming from where I'm coming from, you can't, like, I never forget I had this manager back in the day. He was like, um, He's like, man, you know, sometimes you got to smile, man. I said, well, what you mean by that? He's like, because this is going to be over someday. And he never smiled. And, you know, up until about four years ago, I didn't even think he's supposed to smile in public. You thought you weren't supposed to smile. Yeah, because, because that's what you learn on the street. We can't because, let yeah, anybody see you, where. If, you, if you're smiling and you're too chipper, like you're, you're inviting an energy you don't want. Right, and how how does how does a pit bull keep you from <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. How does a lion keep you from right. you know what I'm saying? So it, it wasn't up until a couple of years ago I really realized that you can like really sit around these people and joke because because it, it's like if we had this conversation three years ago, four years ago, well I say four years ago, it it probably been three words. You'd been like, yep, yep. I'd be like, yep. And you'd have been like, so what happened there? I was like, you know, whatever happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how it really was because, again, but then when I started to, to not to jump off subject, what I started to notice was this is the thing that changed it for me. Like, when you're in the streets and you do things and, you know, years go by, you might see somebody, they might not be doing as well, you know, as you or whatever, and that's just life, right? When I got in the music game, a lot of the things I did in the beginning is because I treated it like the streets. I didn't realize I was going to be around these people 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that I was doing was based off of one op of seeing you, right? I'm not knowing that me and Jay-Z going to be cool 15 years later. I'm not knowing that me and this person going to be cool 15 years later. So I wasn't planning on building relationships. You right. see what I'm saying? So right. I always had my wall up, right? <laughs> so nobody really knew me. Just like I didn't really know nobody else. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, well, I'm going to get to know. But over time, you know, when that wall started coming out, you get to start knowing people like, damn, man, they dope. They cool. When did you realize, I might be here in this life for a while? When I wrote The Recession. So how old are you then? I know that was oh, eight. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't remember how old I was, oh, eight. But anyway, when I wrote, up until The Recession, I was spiraling out of control. I was going through a lot of survivor's remorse. Um, I was drinking heavily. I was, I just wasn't doing good. I was two, 260 pounds. You know yeah, you're mad thin now. Yeah, I was Waffle House and Cristal. That was it. <laughs> that was my diet. <laughs> you know, I wasn't drinking water at all. Like, I wasn't drinking water. Like, I was like, I'm not, you know. And up until the recession, I just woke up one day and just realized, I was like, damn, you know what? I'm free, I'm still alive, and I got a career. An above-ground career. And everything started to shift a little bit. Like, it was like, there started to be light. It was dark, very dark. And it just started to be like little glimmers of light. And I started to research a lot of things about the world. And this is when Obama was running. And I just started to see things differently. And then, and what happened was, as I started to see things differently, a lot of the people that were around, I don't really think they... They 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 felt that. So little by little, like, people just start to go their own separate way. And then one day I was just remember I was sitting in my dressing room. I was by myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now I'm listening to old school music. I'm like, my mom used to play this. Like, I'm in a good space. I'm just happy. I remember going up to Def Jam, like, smiling, laughing. Everybody's like, what's going on with him? Like, is he okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm glad he's smiling. You're like, <laughs> like, like okay? what's up with your man? Because the whole thing was... And this was gonna trip you out. The whole thing was, I was depressed, mm. but I didn't know I was depressed. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like I didn't know that you can fall into depression. I'm thinking it's a one day thing. You feel bad, and I just remember every day I woke up, I just felt bad. I just felt bad, but I didn't. I didn't know what mental health was then. I didn't know that anxiety was a thing. I just thought that something was wrong with me. And as I started to get an understanding of what was going on, I started to get a grip on it. 
You know what I'm saying? I started asking questions. I started to, um, you know, research things because I didn't know what I was going through. I couldn't explain how somebody who doesn't have any emotions explain to you what they're feeling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you in therapy? I, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For how long? Uh, for a couple years now. And it's helped. Oh yeah, man. Like that's it. Because you talk with an awareness of somebody who's been to therapy. But but I was I was my own therapist for a while. <laughs> Just so we know. <laughs> but it's crazy to realize, oh, I am depressed and yes. I've been depressed. Yes. And I didn't even know no, that. Because it was this was my normal every day. You don't have the wording for it, right? And that's why I'm 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 pushing it. Because as a black man, like, you just think, it's me against the world. I got to figure it out. I got all this pressure on me. Nobody cares. I'm losing homeboys. We don't talk about our feelings. No. And it was crazy because now I have to be honest with you. And that's why I love love the concept of only quality people. Like, my friends now, like, my peers now, the people I deal with, I love them. Because you know what it is? We are village. And we look out for each other. And we have these conversations. Like, we might just sit down, smoke a cigar, and just check in. What's up? What's going on? What you got going And have real conversations as black men about life, right? And what we want to do and what we're trying to do and what's holding us back and what we're dealing with and what's this and the other. And to me, I've never had that, right? So what do you do as a black man who's going through something? You isolate yourself, right? And you read that in the 48 Laws of Power. The last thing you want to do is lock yourself in your, in your fortress, you know what I'm saying? Because now, now you're isolating yourself, and that's when you're, the, you're your weakest. Mind you, I had them isolating myself for a 10-year period. You know what I'm saying? I'm in my own world, and I'm thinking I'm winning, but I'm not. And and, and that's what it was. Like, I didn't have the tools, and, and I'm not ashamed to say that because if you look at me now today, of course my heart is the same. A lion is a lion, bro. You could take him out and put him in the Brooklyn Zoo. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I am who I am, but... Am I in a better place? And do I understand my purpose more? 1,000%. And am I striving in a different way? 1,000%. And am I doing things because I want to help people? 1,000%. Because we ain't tripping the money already made. You feel what I'm saying? Like, this is about people. This is about us. This is about that young guy who's out there who's two pages away from changing his whole life. You know what I'm saying? Like, just needs to understand that it's okay. Because I didn't know it was okay until I sat down with some people that let me know that it's okay. Right? It's okay not to be okay. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to want to evolve. It's okay to want to understand what's going on with you. Now, mind you, for 30-some-odd years, I thought something was wrong. I thought something was wrong. I thought, like, like anxiety was like, (laughs) you feel what I'm saying? Like, I thought something was wrong. But I'm not knowing that this is something that a lot of people experience and there's ways to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, even like sitting down having some minutes to yourself, I'm a great thinker. But when somebody introduced me to meditation, it changed my life. Wow. You, you know meditate what I'm every day? Every day. How long? Sometimes 30, sometimes an hour. Really? Every day. And it's changed. How's that changed your life? Clarity. I'm leading people. I run a company. Like I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta have clarity. I'm making decisions that are gonna affect people's lives, their children's lives, their livelihood, right? And then at the same time, I'm leading men. I'm, I'm out here and I'm pushing the cause. And it's just like the one thing I can say about karma that I say karma is real. When I wasn't in my right mind, I was leading people off a cliff. I had to pay for that. Mm. I had to pay for that. Oh, it was, it was a time in my life I was losing. <laughs> when I say losing, I meant losing. When I say losing, like, you wouldn't believe. I prayed every day, like, just please punish me for how long you want to punish me. But when you let me back out of this, I'm going I'm gonna to be the way I'm supposed to be. And that's the deal I made. And that's why I've been the same way ever since. Yo, I mean, I, I could talk to you all day. Yeah. And, and I appreciate, <laughs> you, know, you know, you coming uh, in and open up your heart. And, and I appreciate you. And like I say, if it, you know, I'm not here to sell a book, right? That just... Some fun, I mean, just my message and, and 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 my words. I hope they reach, teach, and inspire because it's a thing to be out here and be who we are and what we from, and think that you're alone and you're the only person that's going through that. Mm-hmm. And they got to know that that's not that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true, and that's why I'm in. Thanks so much to Jeezy for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and maybe this show can help. 
You can find me on Instagram at Torre Show and on Spill at Torre. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our bookers, Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. Thank <laughs> you.